there's a drive in Kelly for like serious self-worth. Get curious about sex. I'm not only going to woo my partner, but I'm going to woo myself. And then meditate. I'm like, oh my God, I'm a monk. You're not always in control. And it was like pride, not have periods, not have emotions. I'm going to need to feel everything. I found in those shattered pieces my truth. We're just piling more shame and judgment on top of the original problem. You're sick. Your body's revolting against you. Epstein-Barr virus, not a megalovirus. These are things that can be simmering on you that you don't know. And they're the trigger for your problem. Making the connection between your mind and your body, your emotional needs. That is how we heal. You're listening to a Soul Fire Productions podcast. I feel like it's been a hot minute since I've talked about sex, so I decided to have a woman on the show who created the Tantric Institute of Integrated Sexuality, obviously. Layla Martin. Oh man, this woman is so amazing. In this episode, we get into what is Tantra, safety, mind-blowing sex, the initiatrice, never even heard that word before, Uh, the mystical, cosmic energy orgasms, self-pleasure, healing sex shame and wounds, merging sexuality and spirituality. This show lit me up. It was so fun to talk to her. She has the best energy. She is so wise. So many great experiences. She studied in depth in so many places to really come to understand sexuality, pleasure, and blending all of this spiritual wisdom into her experience. She also has so many free experiences to offer. So the one I want to tell you about is her virtual pleasure school. So she wants you to feel that sweet, delightful pussy magic forcing through your veins again, especially right now. So in her virtual pleasure school, you will connect, talk about orgasms, celebrate, experience outrageous pleasure, and dance. I absolutely love that so much. So if you want to join her for her free pleasure school, the link is in the show notes and I think you will get so much out of it. There's so much to learn about our bodies and pleasure and allowing ourselves to really experience it. Such a gift. All right, let's get to this one with Layla Martin. Layla, thank you so much for joining me. It's so great to finally meet you. Yes, I'm so happy to be here. Oh, this is so fun. So I'm so excited. I have never had someone on my show talk about tantric sex. So I need you to start (laughs) from like, I know I need you to start from square one with me. What does this even mean? What am I missing out on? (laughs) So, okay. It means, it means so many things. I will try and give you the like 101 very quick, like rundown, which is Tantra is an ancient spiritual tradition for enlightenment, but it's one of the only major traditions that said this life is holy and you don't have to avoid it in order to have spiritual experiences. So your body is sacred. The food is sacred. Your relationship can be sacred and sex can be a part of a spiritual path, which very few traditions have ever said that or been inclusive of sexuality. 
So sex was this small part of the ancient tantric tradition. It was a bit of a bigger part of the Taoist tradition, which is traditional Chinese uh, religion and where a lot of Chinese medicine principles come from. But basically from that teaching came this whole world of teachings that's basically like, wow, if we don't approach sex from repressed or negative views, if we don't approach the body and sexuality, like there's something lower or wrong with it, there's this whole world of discovery inside of it. And in fact, just like in yoga, the way that you move your body, the way you use your breath affects your consciousness, the same way that you use breath work, sounding, conscious movement, mindfulness inside of sexuality impacts the whole experience. So you can take sex from just being like, let's try to have as much pleasure as possible in this two-dimensional reality to like, if I could describe like the peak of what's possible in tantric sexuality, it's like, I see you as like the divine God and goddess. And I see myself as the divine God and goddess and we're making love. And it's like, it's like taking maybe 20 MDMA pills plus a little (laughs) bit of LSD, but you're totally sober and it's completely fueled by energy and magic and consciousness. And you're like, oh my God, I thought even the best kind of sex was like this, but it can actually be this. (laughs) I have yet to make the sound in bed. And clearly that's what I've been missing. (laughs) I have roared. But I haven't gone there. (laughs) So happy for the roar. (laughs) Wow. Okay. This is amazing because I did somatic therapy last year and it was life changing for me. And it was very much like the sexological somatic therapy. And as I did that, I worked through a lot of sexual shame and releasing that. And now I've been going through my very similar experience of spiritual awakening and releasing that shame. And what I realize is I have had very similar experiences in both, but I have struggled merging that. So mm-hmm. I love that you talk about merging the sexuality with the spirituality and combining that for a much bigger, broader experience. Yes. Yeah. It sounds like for, for someone who's never experienced it before, it can sound strange. And Everything that's possible to experience through meditation, like traditional seated meditation or through yoga is possible through sex. It's the same level of awareness, the same level of going really deep inside of yourself, the same level of activating inner energies. And it's like sex is this portal for so much. And it seems kind of like, wow, how come I've never experienced that before? But most people have never experienced that much magic sitting before, unless you sit down and you have the intention to to actually meditate, to make it a practice, to understand what you're doing. And then all of a sudden for anyone who's ever meditated, it's like, oh, wow, there's actually so much in there. So it's the exact same thing with sex. And depending on how you approach it and the tools that you use, it can be just as effective and you can have just as much awakening as you can with any other spiritual practice. So what comes up for me as you're saying this is it's it's giving you access to parts of yourself that you may have never met before or realized that were there or were maybe suppressed. So what does that feel like in those experiences when you're accessing these things sexually or spiritually that have never been witnessed by you or observed by you? 
For me, I think it feels, well, they, I think there's two experiences. One is like awe and wonder. I'm like, what? Like, that's, in, that's me. Like, <laughs> I am pure wolf power. Like I am like the fire of like warrior, like just like incredible, like, right. And like, uh, I am that much beauty. It's just, it's mind blowing on one hand. And then on the other hand, I do think there's often, as you've referenced so far for me and in others, then this like entangled shame, fear, um, almost like, well, there's shame, fear. And then I often sometimes will feel like I'll weep with the grief that that's in us and we don't know. And sometimes there's shame because it's like, I was taught never to be that big or never to be that wild. Or um, even, you know, for those of us who've had the lived experience of being women, it's been like thousands of years since we were allowed to experience our own spiritual power and authority and wisdom. But then to do that in sex, like that's one of the biggest note, like one of the biggest societal taboos, even now when we've like knocked down so many like social taboos that's still one of the ultimate big ones so then the fear comes in where you're like oh like you know i was was supposed to play small and look at me i'm actually this massive goddess and then i've really i've experienced so many times just the level of beauty and intimacy and love that's possible and then instantly the 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 somatic experience of what sex has been in my own life, um, having experienced childhood sexual abuse, having had so many like failed and difficult relationships, if you could even call them that, and then what sex is for so many of us through uh, patriarchy, through things that are you know controlled by what pornography or like a Hollywood film tells you your body should look like or experience and things like that, and like what's possible and where so many of us are at sometimes then there's this like this heartbreak that's kind of hard to articulate that follows afterwards as well. Mm. How did tantric sex help you heal that sexual abuse you experienced? I think in the first stage, it was like, wow, this body is hell. Like I feel so miserable here. (laughs) I hate myself. It's like literally every single time I get present inside of my body, it's like, I feel disgust. I feel shame. I feel misery. I just don't want to be here. Like some people sit down and meditate and they're like, wow, my body's an amazing place to be. I was like, I don't, I don't know what that's like. And so at first it was like, oh, there's this beautiful space of ecstasy and hope and beauty that feels so far from where I feel trapped in my human body. So I think especially in the early years, it gave me hope that something was possible. It gave me a feeling that I was something so much bigger than my pain. It gave me an experience that sex could be so beautiful, even though my body and my experience had taught me otherwise. And then after a little while, I was like, okay, I feel like I have to actually skip out of my body and get into this really heightened state of consciousness in order to experience the joy of sex. And that feels um, like I now want to go in and through my body. So then it gave me this set of tools, which you can learn through somatic healing. You can learn through trauma healing. I happen to learn them through um, Eastern, uh, you know, mystical practices. 
and how to then go down and in. And one of the really powerful things was how to use my sexual energy in this high vibration state of sexuality, because, you know, you learn in personal development and in personal transformation that you can transform a lot faster in elevated states. You can transform a lot faster when you're in a high energy state. And also uh, in my experience and understanding when I'm out of my everyday, like, frontal cortex, judging, thinking, criticizing reality and in my beingness. So tantric sex allowed me to get into the beingness, access so much energy through my sexual energy and be in a very high vibration state because that's what you're in when you're having really amazing sexual experiences. And so through that, I was able to go in and through so much of the embedded shame, the unhealed, um, physiology that was still kind of in the past that was creating pain and sad feelings and all of that. And I, I felt like I was able to alchemize it a lot faster and move through it and get to basically get my life back from all of the trauma. So, so grateful to this tradition and this path. Yeah. You know, that brings up my experience in somatic was moving from pain into pleasure and really rewiring my whole system. And then that's when I was able to access safety. And so my therapists, um, we did this practice before I would get on the table and we would be talking and they would have us do, have me do affirmations. So they would say the affirmation and I would repeat it. And then it was, does this resonate with you? Do you actually believe what you're saying? And one of mine that was the toughest to work through was I am safe. Yeah. I experienced sexual trauma as well as a child and as an adult and never really felt safe in my body, chronic illness leading to that as well. And so I said it and I started laughing and I was like, oh, apparently we're working on that today (laughs) because I realized like you can say it all you want, but until you work through it and see that trauma head on, You will not find safety in your body, which then will keep you from the pleasure that you want. And I had never really gotten into deep sexual pleasure the way you're talking about. And I didn't even know what was available to me. Yeah. So I think moving into safety is one of the most important things, especially when you've experienced that kind of trauma. So how did you move into that safety and what did that allow for you to open up? Yeah. Such an amazing, beautiful point and so true. And it's one of the foundational things that I work with everybody in our programs and especially women, because so much of what we consider like a sexual problem almost always has safe, like the, the safety was broken inside. And we've grown up in a sexually violent society, in a society that doesn't create safety for people in female bodies. So even if you didn't experience sexual trauma as a child, most of us, I've actually never met anyone who's felt totally safe to feel all of their pleasure, totally safe in their sexuality, totally safe in their orgasmic experience. So this is actually a really important journey for everybody of whether you have a traumatic history or not. And B, it's underlying so much like I was literally, I was talking to a woman who's in my Vita Woman, which is like a monthly membership program that we have the other day. And she, uh, on like a few days into the program, she had the first pain-free sex in 35 years in her relationship that she'd ever had. And she got it through listening to, because, you know, we teach uh, how to really be so in touch with 
your pussy and your pelvic floor muscles that you really know what's a yes, what's a no. And also really have to work a lot of the time to actually be able to say yes or no, even with partners who would listen, uh, because even that can be so hard to actually like articulate a yes or a no to, to have that kind of boundary. And with listening, with having a yes or a no, and working with this subtle tension where her vagina just did not feel safe, she it relaxed for the first time in 35 years. And it was an underlying, like, let me create safety for my body by listening to it, by honoring the desires. And then there's the steps beyond that, which, which I hear you talking about, which is then creating an actual felt sense of somatic safety. And I too, when I first started encountering safety, I was like, the hell is that? (laughs) (laughs) I don't even know what that is. So for me, actually, I did experience like, as I'm thinking about it, a lot of the ecstasy, a lot of the pleasure before I understood the safety, but the safety allowed me to integrate it way more into my life and also start to have a really loving experience in my body and then to have a long-term healthy relationship. So I find that like safety just shows up in so many dimensions and it's a combination usually of lack of safety and boundaries and then unexamined trauma that creates so many of the things that uh, people struggle with sexually, like numbness, not having desire, not experiencing pleasure, not having uh, orgasms or feeling like that you're, you're not very orgasmic. Pretty much everyone I work with when they approach it from a lens of there's nothing wrong with my body, I'm not broken. My body is actually this wise, intelligent force of life that's doing something that makes sense to it, given everything it's been through. So where does it not feel safe? Where do I actually, and, and a lot of what ties into that is, can I be loved and can I belong? Because we get a lot of signals as well, that if you were your full sexual self, you would be kicked out of your tribe. That's slut shaming, right? Or you wouldn't belong to this family. And that's actually a death signal inside of the body because if you get kicked out of your family or your tribe, you will die because we're social creatures. So there's actually a lot of um, armoring and physiological shutdown inside of female bodies because of the signaling that should you be your full sexual pleasure-filled orgasmic self, you could die. And so it's this thing where we're like, why can't, why isn't it just easier to have a better orgasm? Why isn't it just easier to have this ecstatic sexual experience? And it's like, well, there's actually this whole, like, it, it's, it's, it's like a wonder woman journey to be able to face and feel and show up for that much fear and that much conditioning and that much shutdown. But on the other side of it is so much joy and like so much, it's like you get your life back and you get your body back in a way that I'm sure you know, but it's, it's hard. And until you do it, you're like, oh, wow. Like that's actually the thing that was missing. It was, you know, some external object. It was always coming home to my pussy and feeling safe in my body and honoring the power that I am. I love that you just said coming home. That's been a huge theme for me the last six months of finally meeting myself, this woman that I had pushed down and was so scared of becoming and releasing her wildness and her truth and trusting her and letting her be out to play. 
And part of that has really truly been, I mean, not part of it, almost all of it has really been stepping into my sexual power and that intuition and that connectedness with my body for the first time. What does it feel like for you to come home? It feels like it feels like the like the deepest rightness I've ever experienced. And it's interesting. I just led a live practice um, for the coaching certification this morning. And part of the practice is like coming home to your pussy and feeling like this is my home and coming home to your womb or your womb space and feeling like, like this is my home. Like sometimes we center home only in the heart and the heart is an amazing home too, but there's so much power and so much just deliciousness in this life by being home inside of lower belly, womb space, pussy. And when I'm there, the, it's like the only way I can describe it is I feel worthy just because, and I feel like my crown is on and that like no one could actually ever take it off. I just, I just forgot it was there. And I feel like, oh my gosh, everything makes sense. Like I thought that I had to like prove that I was beautiful enough or good enough or worthy enough or all these things. And actually it was like, I felt all those things because I was disconnected from my core self. And as soon as I come home, it like, it like locks in and I'm like, it's again, I want to make that noise. I'm like, oh, <laughs> as the angels surround you and yeah. sing and the golden light showers down. <laughs> or sometimes it's more like, oh, yeah. You know? <laughs> That's amazing. Yeah. I, that so resonates for me and it's just this inner knowing yeah. and this inner acknowledgement. And I think it's so beautiful. And, and what I feel from you is just such big energy and you're loud and vibrant and you take up so much space. Mm -hmm. And it's so beautiful to witness another woman in that energy because it feels so true to who you are. It's like you are truly in your essence showing up the way you are meant to show up. And I think that's a big fear for so many women. I mean, I'm, I'm sure for men as well, but for women to take up space, to yeah. be loud because we believe we're too much. And then you take that into the bedroom. I remember the first time I roared, speaking of MDMA, Connor and I had done a little MDMA and gone to an Odessa concert and came home and the sex was amazing. But the roar that came out, he thought someone was going to call the cops. Like it was so loud and big and I've never done that, but it was this relaxed feeling in my whole body where I was finally able to just let go from the deepest part of my womb, my feminine energy. And I took up so much space and I was like, oh, this is what everyone's been talking about. But we're so scared to be judged and be too much. How do we navigate that? Yeah. So oh, I love your questions and your Thank experiences. You. It's so, so beautiful. <laughs> the reason I knew Andrew was the one is because the first time, well, I, th I think it was maybe like the third time we ever made love, but like, it's so funny. So much of the, what, what gets classed as demonic, and I don't think this is an accident, is actually what female bodies do when they're in states of spiritual rapture and power. So like, to like my tongue's like hanging out, I'm like, ah, but like, no, I'm not meaning to do it. It's just happening. And like, there's just this like 
bold, like fierce energy coming through me. And Andrew bless him is like, the, like back then he was like this sweet Australian entrepreneur. He'd just done his like first Tantra workshop ever. And like, I was like, afterwards, I was like, <laughs> he was like, that was amazing. And I was like, you know, I think this one's a keeper. So <laughs> oh my gosh, I love it. So there's that. And so how to, okay. So one of the things when I break it down, I was like, where does that fear of taking up space come from, right? So the first is the general conditioning of be really agreeable, be nice. There's this like big conditioning for women, like your role is to make everybody feel good. And usually under patriarchy, it's to make men feel good. Men don't like feeling threatened. They don't like feeling small. They don't like feeling like all of these things. They want to feel taken care of and safe and loved. So there's this like deep female conditioning that like your rightness comes from everybody feeling comfortable around you. And what that usually means is like you better make sure that you're never too cold and never too hot that you want just enough to be interesting, but never so much to be threatening, you know, that you're just sexy enough to be like enticing, but never too sexy as to be slutty, right? It's like this, like, like Goldilocks, you know, that like it gets in there and it's very insidious. So number one is I find that once we start taking up space, there's this immediate alarm that goes off of like, you could be upsetting someone and that can be other women, right? Who can feel threatened or they can feel like their smallness gets brought up or their own conditioning that women shouldn't behave that way gets triggered. And then also whether you're heterosexual or not, the conditioning kind of goes across the board, like not okay to alarm men. <laughs> and when you take up space, there's something so radical about it because it's like we can confuse it. Sometimes I find people confuse it with like, you know, having to smile all the time or having to be really nice. But no, when you're joyful and like in like full of yourself and full of your emotional experience, there's actually something where it's like, wow, that's there's a force there. And we try and undo it actually in the communities that we create of actively celebrating each other when we're taking up space and really being self-responsible around if I feel threatened or triggered by someone else, how can I find my own desire in there? Where is the person who's threatening or triggering me actually exhibiting a behavior that I must deeply want inside or else I wouldn't be having this really intense reaction to it? So trying to create this self-responsibility and understanding and I think the biggest thing that I usually say, like in early stages, is if you unpack the conditioning of why am I trying to be so agreeable to everyone else and stay in my little box? One is so I feel safe, right? Which is what we're talking about. So doing these safety practices, finding more personal safety is a really big part of it. But two is I don't want to be too much because I don't want to trigger people. I don't want to upset people. I don't want to turn people off. But when the moment you get a little bit of taste of your own power, it's like that, like a drop of that is not worth a lifetime of making everyone else feel okay. And what you're trading by making everyone else feel okay 
is you're missing out on the opportunity to inspire, to uplift, to be this force that calls people back into their truth, back into their magnificence, right? I use like putting your crown on being a queen. I think like it's not a queen over others. Like a queen is measured by how much you can inspire others to put their own crowns on. So you can play small over a lifetime. You can keep yourself from showing up. But if you really want to be in service to others, like, what does that look like? Does that mean tiptoeing around for a lifetime? So nobody ever has to encounter the own, like their own smallness that they've put themselves into. Or does it look like being like, you know what? I don't want to spend a lifetime doing that. I'd rather trade it for, there's going to be some discomfort. There's going to be some triggered people. There's going to be some people that get turned off, but I get a lifetime of a, my own bigness and power and be the actual impact I'll have on people once it's integrated is inviting them into their greatness. And if that's really deeply in line with your values, then it's like, well, then slowly, slowly over time, I'm going to do the work to show up more and more because that's the actual impact and legacy I would love to leave on people over this lifetime. A quick break in this conversation with Layla to tell you about today's sponsor, Clear Stem Skincare. Okay. As you all know, coming from the chronic illness space, a couple years ago, I cleaned up all of my products and realized that everything pretty much had toxins and hormone disruptors and stuff I did not want on my body. So it kind of made it difficult to find products that I loved. And the thing that I love about Clear Stem is this is a revolutionary skincare brand. So they're anti-aging, anti-acne. They have zero hormone disruptors or toxins. Zero. So you have two women who found this company and they get it. Kaylee, who's a holistic nutritionist, and Danielle, who is the owner of San Diego Acne Clinic. They come together and create an entire line of products. The one that really stands out is their serum. So it helps reverse acne scars, regulates hormonal oil production, reduces redness and inflammation, increases collagen and elasticity. It's called Cell Renew. And I also am a huge fan of both of their face washes. Their cleansers are incredible. They get everything off so clean. They're not drying. They don't make you break out. I mean, they really check all the boxes for me. So I'm so excited to be sharing them with you. They also just launched the Ditch Your Acne course. So if you have been dealing with acne and you haven't been able to get to the bottom of it, they, along with our incredible friend, Christina Rice, Dive into the foods you're putting in your body, hormone issues, and the products that you're using and how everything can contribute to your acne issues. So we love that they've created such an incredible resource for you. So if you go to clearstemskincare.com, that's C-L-E-A-R-S-T-E-M skincare, use my code KellyT at checkout. You get $10 off the products and 15% off their Ditch Your Acne course. So they've already helped thousands of people. You do not want to miss this incredible resource. Clearstemskincare.com. Use Kelly T at checkout. $10 off products. 15% off their Ditch Your Acne course. All right, let's get back to this one with Layla. I think it's so interesting as I have stepped more into my power sexually and explored more and gotten more curious and really owned that wildness. I have seen Connor almost like revert in his own experience out of like, oh, what's happening? 
here and I'm not sure how I feel about this. And it's elicited a lot of really amazing conversations where I think he's seen me do the work around it and noticing where things that he didn't even notice about himself are becoming more apparent. And I think that's been beautiful. What I hear a lot from my community is what if I outgrow my partner? If What if I do this and he doesn't get it or he thinks I'm crazy? And so yeah. that is the roadblock. And I, I, I understand that because I feel that, but at the same time, it's, it's in honoring ourselves and choosing ourselves we get to have all of this abundance and all of this pleasure. And what if it does elicit your partner to look at things that they never could before? Yes. And I, you know, one of the conversations I like to have around this is uh, we've also gotten a lot of conditioning that like men are supposed to lead. And even in the like new age Tantra world, it's like men are supposed to be the Shivas and they're supposed to be present and conscious and they're supposed to hold the presence in the relationship. I actually think that a lot of that is BS. And I think because women are just as present. And in fact, most of the really conscious beings that I know who are really leading the vanguard movement of consciousness right now are in female bodies. So A, that doesn't make sense to me, but B, and my like long-term Tantra teacher, um, Ma Nanda Sarita, who I love very much, I can highly recommend her. Um, she always used to teach about women are the initiatresses. Like, there's this quality of being a woman where you are designed to inspire. You are the leading edge of consciousness. You are calling people into their greatness, into their hearts, into their truths. Like, and for, I'm sure a lot of women who follow you, they have some calling of that inside of them. And I think sometimes we forget that we are often the initiatresses in our own relationships. And what can happen sometimes that I see over and over, I've seen in my own relationship is like, I've spent a lifetime keeping myself small. So then it's like, I bust out some like wild, like Wolverine or like next level spiritual experience or whatever. And Andrew's terrified. And I'm like, oh, and now I have to like, now I have to deal with all my internalized shame that you're now afraid of me. And then I have to take you with me, which is even more energy. And I've already got so much to do going on right now. I've got like a business to run. I got my own self to do like, and now I have to take you. And so I find that there's this repositioning into the joy of being an initiatrix and slowing down to work with our partners. And what I've really seen in all of the women who have been terrified, and I've worked with 10,000 paying clients now. So I see a lot of women who are terrified to do this work because their male partners will leave. I've almost never seen that. So every once in a while, there's a very small percentage of women that are like, you know what? I kept going down this path and I kept going down this path. And my husband was just such a no and never budged from that. And I ended up having to leave. And those women are always delighted. They're like, you know what? <laughs> Thank you very much. <laughs> <laughs> And they mean it. I actually have never seen any of them be like, oh my gosh, I'm so sad. You know, they're like, wow, thank you. Thank you. I'm so happy I did that now and not 10 years from now. Right. Mm -hmm. Or not, I didn't even spend another year. there. But I would honestly say probably, and really, I mean, I'm estimating here, but like 95% of female partners, once they get, I'm an initiatress, my male partner, if I'm in a heterosexual relationship has been just as conditioned as me. Nobody gets out of patriarchy happy. It's actually 
not fun to oppress people. It's not fun to be part of like a ruling class that only derives their power from taking power from others. Like there's a lot, you know, the whole conditioning of men of how they relate to women is just, it's heartbreaking to them too. They sometimes just never even realize it. So when we wake up to this initiator's power and we're like, I'm going to take you with me as long as there is a true part of you that wants this. And I find most female partners actually wake up to the fact that their partner does want this. They usually just are scared and go slower. And if God, why do men move slower? So slow. Layla, look at stop. (laughs) Although sometimes I see women are like running in circles up the mountain and men are like going very slow, but they're on a bend. They're like, we both actually get to the top Uh at the same time, but we just seem like we're going way faster. (laughs) But like when they take the step, they took the step and they don't go backwards. Like we run ahead 10 steps and then slide down. Yeah. (laughs) There's like all that happening. But yes, I find there's like so much slowness in a lot of male partners, not all, but a lot. And when you're willing to work with them, not shame them, hold their fear, really like involve them in the process. I would say like literally 95% of the time, the male partner ends up coming along. Sometimes it takes years, ends up being so grateful and ends up being like, I only want to have sex with a wild awakened woman. I don't know what I was doing before. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's so boring in the past. And eventually they get to wake up to a much greater power as well inside of themselves. And then the couple actually gets to step into a true conscious relationship where their, their covert agreement is not to subtly hide from power and to be in a sort of collective bargain to do that with each other, but they wake up together and start choosing those practices and even with Andrew who I thought was a lost cause so many times over the last seven years like now he makes me do the tantric rituals and I'm like I'm too resistant tired and he's like Layla get in here (laughs) oh my god I love that I never there is hope yet (laughs) (laughs) I know we've been talking about a lot about in partnership but I get a lot of questions from women who are single and are really stepping into self-pleasure for the first time. How do we incorporate Tantra into self-pleasure on our own, whether we're single or with a partner? It's like the only way because (laughs) self-pleasure is the start of everything. So the way you say self-pleasure is the way you make love. So if you want to change the way you make love, self-pleasure is the foundation of it. It's like being an athlete, right? You want to play the game. It's all the training that you did by yourself or with the team, whatever, like not actually playing the game and self-pleasuring every single time you self-pleasure, you're wiring your whole brain and body neurologically to experience sex in a certain way, to orgasm in a certain way, and to experience pleasure in a certain way. So it all starts with self-pleasure and how you self-pleasure. So every single tool that we use, and we actually, I, I really encourage people to start with self-pleasure. You can incorporate breathwork into your self-pleasure practices. You can learn the tool of sounding and really activating and understanding how sound can open up your whole experience and is really a core tool in trauma healing as well, as I'm sure that you've experienced um, bringing that mindfulness, right? Getting out of the thinking, judging mind, the way you train yourself to do that really is in self-pleasure. It's too much. By the time you got into lovemaking, there's so much pressure. There's so many other factors. There's a whole human being there. It's so much easier <laughs> to do it on your own. And a lot of what we're talking about, like being able to say yes to pleasure, feel safe in your own body 
Yes, it's great to work with someone and you continue that work in your own self-pleasure practice. I like to call it woke masturbation or just your own pleasure practices that you do on a regular basis and take it out of this idea that like, I masturbate to have an orgasm or I masturbate to release sexual energy into the way I masturbate trains my whole nervous system, how I experience pleasure, orgasm, surrender, and my own sexuality. So every single time there's this amazing opportunity to get in there and do some really deep work. And that can sound really heavy. So you can still totally like use a vibrator or have your favorite fantasy or get off really quickly, but it's great to mix it up and actually have these like longer self-pleasuring experiences. And that I find is actually the easiest and fastest way to start experiencing what you and I are talking about, this sort of deeper awakened state of sex. Mm. What I believe is that the way you show up in the bedroom is the way you show up in life and vice versa. So as I have healed and worked through my stuff in the bedroom, the way I've shown up in everyday life, running a company, having conversations as a friend, I'm a totally different person. How can we heal and grow and really bloom and blossom in our lives from our sexual experiences? Yeah. So many different ways. (laughs) So I'm a big believer that, you know, how people are like, wow, the gut is the second brain and what you eat impacts all of your emotions and how you show up in the world. That was like unbelievable to people like 20, 30 years ago. There is are so many powerful nerves and different parts of the nervous system in our pelvis, inside of our pussy, even in womb space, cervical space, all of that. When we activate our sexuality in a much deeper way, we're actually bringing parts of our nervous system online that can otherwise lie dormant. There's also a way that when you go into heightened states of orgasm, heightened states of sexuality, your whole brain lights up and different parts talk to each other. So one way is that you literally are switching on there. You're getting turned on in the bedroom, but you're getting turned on to life in a whole new way. And your nervous system remembers what you do. So that's a really big part of it. Another part of it is that the systematic disconnection of women from their pleasure, from their sexuality, from their bodies went hand in hand with their spiritual, uh, political, economic uh, disempowerment as well. So I find that when you get literally like back into your pussy, it's like your whole consciousness changes and it just doesn't feel possible to not express yourself in the way that you once maybe used to just not. It's like, I literally consider it's like getting, the only way I can describe it is it switches on this way of being that you just can't forget. And it's like a way of being audacious. It's a way of being full of yourself. It's a way of being powerful. And I really believe there's, you know, the vagus nerve and so many other parts of our nervous system that are so essential to the way that we operate have these huge lower branches and they go deep into our sexual organs. And so I believe when we're disconnected from that part of ourselves and we're not activating our higher sexual potential, 
those parts kind of go dormant or they're just operating way below their capacity. It's literally like when you become sexually activated and alive, you switch these parts of you on. What's really cool too in Tantra is that the chakra system was supposed to be a hidden way of activating all parts of your brain. And there is some science to back this up, which is that when you activate different parts of your body, you are actually switching on different parts of your brain. So the idea is that if you do, let's say in a sexual practice, activate different chakras, more of your brain is lit up. And then when you go into higher states of sexual consciousness or sexual activation, it's like more of you comes online and that impacts, in my experience, your level of creativity, how you speak, what kind of voice you have with the world, how you move your body on a dance floor. It's so it's so powerful. And it only sounds, I think, a little strange to people sometimes because of where we've relegated sex to in our lives. Everybody knows if you go to the gym and you work out all the time, that impacts how you show up everywhere in your life, too. But sexuality is this area that's been really undiscussed and undiscovered as one of those domains as well. Like if you activate yourself here, it's just mind blowing where that shows up everywhere else. And it does. It impacts how you run a company. It's it's so cool. Oh, my gosh. I love the way you describe that. That was amazing. Thank you. Um, This has been incredible. I want you to tell everyone about your sacred sexuality program. So I have a membership program called Vita Woman. And what we do is every single month you have uh, two to three live classes or you can do replays. uh, And we have a high full moon priestess initiation into different aspects of sacred sexuality. So like in February, the theme was pleasure and, or no, sorry, in March it was pleasure. And then in April it was emotions. In May it's sex. In June it's the body. And what we do is learn sacred sexuality both through these domains. So how do you express all of your emotions sexually, right? This is like a big topic. So we spend a whole month diving into it. What does sex look like when you start using breath work and sounding and reclaim this sort of essence of uh, your whole body inside of your sexuality. So we spend all of May learning that. And then also you get to use this unleashed power to up-level in that life, or so uh, up-level in that domain. So it's like, how does your sacred sexuality impact money? So we have a whole month that's on money. Um, there's a whole month on relationship. How does your sacred sexuality practice impact your relationship? So it's this super, uh, super amazing program that I actually love so much. And so if you want to really develop along the sacred sexuality path, it's really powerful. You only do month to month. You don't have to sign up for the whole year, but we stretched it into a year because I found that people now learn things in like a week, but then (laughs) it's really hard to integrate it or keep it going in your life or really deeply develop it. And so I'm really passionate about giving people the time and space to fully learn, to fully go deep, to fully integrate it. I think sacred sexuality is one of those domains that requires that level of attention and study to fully blossom. Mm, That's so cool. And I was telling you before we started recording that I am so excited when your sex, love and relationship coaching opens up next year, because I am all in on this. I love your approach and it just sounds incredible the way you support everyone. Yes. Yes. (laughs) So consider me one of your students. (laughs) (laughs) Yay, Layla, thank you so much. This was such a beautiful conversation. I loved learning all about tantric sex and I just really appreciate the way you show up and teach the teachers and help all of us heal. And just your, your energy is so beautiful. I just feel I've my 
my cup is very full right now after talking to you. So thank you. Yay. Thank you so much for everything that you've done and just the level that you've allowed yourself to experience in your own life. It's like music to my soul. Cause I'm like, yes, she gets it. She's like, she's, she's here as a voice and in this space of leadership, inviting others into it. And that made like that lights up my whole body. So oh. thank you so much for what you're doing. Thank you. Thank you all so much for listening to The Kelly Show. If you haven't yet subscribed, be sure to do so now and head to ratethispodcast.com slash Kelly to leave a five-star review. And as a bonus for doing that, if you send me a screenshot of your review before you submit, I will get you a little thank you gift in the mail. All right, we have another juicy episode coming for you next week, so stay tuned. And as always, if I can support you in any way, please reach out. Remember, I'm just a DM or an email away. See you guys soon.